equities are falling a little in the US this morning. Some of that is going to be a reaction to the jobless claims, which have ticked back a little unexpectedly. Employment numbers doing okay for Australia yesterday, though, so we'll have a look at that. So what about the retail numbers we are going to get today? And the pound doing particularly well. Amazing what a jab in the arm can do, especially when you do it 16 and a half million times. It's Friday, the 19th of February, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, big falls in U.S. equities this morning, a 0.9% fall in the Nasdaq, and that's after it regained quite a lot of ground. It was much worse than that earlier, around 0.7% down for the S&P and 0.4% down for the Dow. The U.S. dollar rising yesterday, falling today on the DXY, down a third of 1%. The Aussie hasn't risen fully to compensate. In fact, it's up less than 0.1%. The pound, though, is up three quarters of 1%. The euro up 0.4%, a small increase in U.S. Treasury yields, but yields have uh, risen more in Europe up six basis points for 10-year gilts, 0.62% now, almost up to 0.65% earlier, which would take it back to a period where it's not been, a, you know, for any sustained period uh, since January last year when we didn't even know about the coronavirus. Meanwhile, uh, the FTSE 100 is down 1.4%. The Eurostox 50 losing 0.4%. And oil losing a little as well, down half a percent for Brent, a bit more than that for the WTI, but still managing to stay above $60 a barrel. And the this morning, it's NAB's Director of Economics for Markets, David DeGaris, in Melbourne, still waiting to get back to London. Any year now, Dave. Uh, so, so what's your take on, on what's happening? We've got this two-week low for US equities, the dollar switching direction. So how much of this is down to the jobless claims that we saw out of the US last night, which were, uh, well, a surprising downturn? Let's put it that way. Well, it's, it's just a, a reminder of... Um the trailing effect of the, the lockdowns in the US. And uh, of course, they are sort of beginning to come out of lockdown, you know, in a, in a disjointed sort of way. Um, and, you know, the effect that, you know, the, the people out of work in the US, you know, you're still getting these large numbers of people, um, you know, on the, on the unemployment claims. And of course, you know, that's been the concern of the new Biden administration, hasn't it, to... Um, Provide support support to those people. It's just a reminder, man. They're still mm. still big numbers, aren't they? North of eight hundred thousand per yeah. week. Well, so eight hundred and forty eight thousand to eight hundred and sixty one thousand, and that eight hundred and forty eight thousand yes. was actually a fifty five thousand upward revision. So that's doubly bad news. And I guess you know we've said Correct. this before, haven't we? That you know if if these job numbers are bad, then that's good news in terms of pushing the uh, stimulus forward because you know they'll, they'll be looking at them saying, well, it worked before. Yes, we know it worked. Let's do it again. Yes, well, that's what that's what the markets really interested in is um, the administration's path towards formulating the details of that stimulus. Um, the House, I think, comes back next week, Phil, and um, endeavouring to put that package together and uh, to get it through Congress by mid-March. So that's on their agenda. And next week, we're going to get um, Jay Powell presenting his semi-annual testimony to Congress, uh, to, uh, to the Senate Banking Committee. So that's all going to be front and centre, and the message from the Fed is going to be, you know, we, we've we've got the taps fully open, and we support fiscal stimulus. Yeah. So, you know, given the the unemployment situation in the US now, housing starts also well down for January in the US. Although I read somewhere that that was partially because of the price of wood. It's interesting how all these things join together. Uh, but apparently, wood can add thousands of dollars to the price of a new home. So there's been a short term to, uh, fall in demand there. Uh, look, uh, let's look at jobs in Australia though. Mm. It was a similar story in Australia. I mean, the, the employment numbers yesterday we saw. 29,000 new jobs, which is down from 50,000 new jobs in December. 
and we had that fall in participation Indeed. rate. So that actually means the unemployment rate actually fell, but that is because we saw the participation rate fall. 66.1 compared to 66.2. So these are two still very, very high uh, participation rates, Phil. So I wouldn't over-egg that. No, it wouldn't get me, get me concerned too much. I think the message there was that, um, you, you know, now with much slower um, population growth, Phil, you don't need so much of an increase in employment to keep the unemployment rate steady. It's something like less than 10,000 now. So 30,000 is enough to put downward pressure on the unemployment rate, which was down by two-tenths and the underemployment rate. So these are people working short hours who want to work longer hours was down by three-tenths to 8.1%. And that was the lowest since February 19. So the message from the labour market is that it continues to to improve uh, quite dramatically. And uh, the forward indicators of labour demand suggesting should be more of the same. Now we're coming up to the end of JobKeeper at the end of March. So there will be a bit of a blip there. But um, so far, the news has been quite positive on the Australian labour market. We can expect that participation rate to jump up because people can get back to work now because they're not spending as much time on Facebook. So uh, (laughs) they've got so much more time. Interesting. I mean, not much of a market reaction was there to that story. I mean, we saw we saw Facebook share price uh, Mm. fall 2%, but I mean, tech stocks are are down generally today. So uh, it's an interesting story to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, You know, as you said, their tech, uh, US shares are just making a bit of heavy weather of it. So there is this rebalancing going on between bond yields and um, what that means for equities. But when you look at base metals, for instance, and iron ore and those types of things, Phil, it's still telling you a pretty pervasive message there. Indeed, bond yields and expectations that over the next five to 10 years, inflation will begin to rise. It's, um, you know, the market's looking at the vaccine rolls out, rollout in the UK, the US, and, and what's coming down the pipe elsewhere and um, mm. taking some encouragement from that. Well, look at those that, that rise in bond yields in Europe today, in the UK in particular, but also in Germany, up three basis points to, to minus, it never sounds very good to say, minus 0.34%. Uh, up to minus but it is the highest, five basis points. Yeah, it's the highest it's been since June, though, and uh, we've got this fall in European equities as well. Is that driven by inflationary fears? What's happening here? Is, there, is it possible a bit of contagion of uh, inflation fear has spread across the Atlantic, perhaps? Um, look, I think to the extent that it's inflation, it's inflation coming down the track. I know the market's all um, hyped up about um, near-term inflation, but we can't forget that, I mean, the, the pandemic took, what, 10, 10.6% out of the UK economy last year, 3.5% out of the US, and nearly 3% out of the Australian economy. Are we expecting that Suddenly, inflation is going to be the big story for 2021. It is a fixation for markets right now, Phil, but don't forget the service sectors of these economies are still significantly hamstrung. We're going to see more signs of that with the uh, the European and UK 
and of course the the US market PMIs which are coming out tonight. So yeah. service sectors there which are still very hamstrung. And the inflation that we have seen so far has mostly been in the goods sector. Right. So and, that, and that's where there have been all sorts of supply disruptions, low inventories and the like. Right? Now, yeah, you're breaking up a little bit. I think I can fix that. I'll do that while I talk because I'm so uh, multi-skilled. Uh, but look, we also had a fairly dovish uh, set of minutes, didn't we, from the ECB? So that might have uh, uh, influenced things a little bit as well. Look, I want to come back to the uh, to the to the pound because that is up so much today. But let's just go back to Australia for a second. We get Aussie retail sales today with a pickup uh, expected on uh, the December number. But the Aussie dollar as well, not moving much today. But if we look from November, it's gone from fifty eight US cents up to seventy eight US cents. Christopher Kent from the RBA has uh, said earlier in the week that the, the dollar would be five percent higher if it wasn't for their policy measures. So are they worried? about at the RBA, about where the Aussie dollar is heading, do you think? I think the answer to that is an undeniable yes, Phil, mm. but other things being equal are not the same. So, you you, you know, all the, these um, hard commodity prices, which are pushing up, and even signed there that on the soft commodity side, the story there has been quite encouraging as well. So when you track the Aussie dollar against those sorts of things, the Aussie dollar is not overvalued at these sorts of levels. In fact, it's marginally undervalued. So, you know, that's telling you that the, the, the market has got it about right. Now, clearly, you know, what the Reserve Bank's done with QE and bond buying has helped to keep the Aussie dollar in check lower than what it would otherwise be. But undeniably, it's, um, it, it's still getting support. So what, 77 and a half, 78 cents right now. So it feels like it wants to go higher from this point. And as I said, Aussie retail sales today, the pickup is expected in December. Are we going to get it? Yes. Yes. Well, we had those very strong, what, October, November numbers. Then December fell back by 4%. So it looks like we'll see a bit of a bounce back. Um you know, um, so the states have come out of um, the sort of mini lockdowns, worked their way through that, those episodes pretty well. Very much um, distorted month to month by sales, very strong sales, you know, uh, up to uh, Black Monday and so forth. And then we saw the payback in December. So a lot of people bought their Christmas, you know, stuff very early last year and um, mm. likely to see it, some improvement today. And the pound uh, hedging edging towards a, a, a three-year high and absolutely no doubt about that. There's been helped by the vaccine rollout and the uh, falling infection numbers, which are down to October levels. So the death rate is still a lot higher, but, it, but it's heading down. And of course, everyone's wondering to see what uh, Boris Johnson is going to say on Monday because he's going to give the roadmap for the UK out of lockdown. So I imagine there's quite a bit of anticipation for that. There is. I think a lot of the hospitality businesses are hoping for an earlier opening, but I think a lot of people are hoping for a more staged exit, mm. you know, one that's going to be sustainable. That seems to be the message coming out of Westminster. But, um, you know, the, the infection news has been encouraging. Uh, the vaccine rollout is proceeding at pace. What they don't want to do is, have to go into another lockdown. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that would be a disaster I mean, for Boris. That, 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 that would be yeah. terrible for confidence to state the bleeding obvious. But, yeah. you know, you've had 16.4 million people have been have had their first jab so far. So um, yeah. that has worked. It worked exceptionally well. 
And the, I think the expectation in the press this week has been that self-catering and larger hotels are going to be open at Easter. Pubs are going to be open and allow two household, households indoors from May. They're going to be the rule of six, so six people can join collectively by June. And then UK UK tourism and leisure is going to be broadly be back to normal by July. And you can imagine, can't you, all that money that's been saved, because they have seen a big increase in savings. People will be keen to get out and spend it. So it could be a really good second half for the year uh, in the UK, so long as nothing goes wrong. Look, we've got uh, PMIs for the UK and Europe today. The services numbers, they're going to be particularly interesting. Very low last time for the UK, just 39.5. And UK retail sales for January, which we sort of know are not going to be too flash because they've been in lockdown. So it's been very difficult to spend money, basically. Yes, indeed. And and to be quite honest, I think the market's thinking about vaccines and infections and those things rather than these numbers. Looking forward to them backwards. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Dave. Catch you again next week. Catch you next week, Phil. Sorry we had a few audio problems in the middle. We sorted it out, though, didn't we? Uh, back again on Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great weekend. See you then.